in case you don't know who I am or you're new here, my name is Nev. I'm one of the pastors, and uh, it's my privilege to share the Word of God with you uh, this morning. And we're going to be looking at the story of Jonah, continuing our series we've been doing. And uh, today's part of the story is uh, the part where we hear about a really big fish. And um, I wonder if you've ever seen a really big fish. I've been to a couple of, a few times to a place called Hever Castle in Kent. Anyone ever been to Hever Castle? Okay, yeah. It's a nice kind of, I was going to say National Trust, I think it's English Heritage. One of those nice places. And there's a, there's a castle with a moat. And I'm always surprised when I go there at the size of the fish in the moat. They're called, I think they're called koi carp. And they can grow to over two feet in length. And I always look at them and they're like, you know, coming up to the surface, wanting food. It's, I wouldn't want to be in there with them. Um, but they're pretty big, but not as big as the one we're going to hear about today. And uh, I wonder, I'm sure there are others here who've seen bigger fish uh, than those. But um, yeah, we're going to continue in chapter 2 of Jonah. And this is part 3 of our series, we're in chapter 2. And we're going to be hearing today arguably the most uh, well-known and well-remembered part of the story of Jonah, uh, where he is swallowed by a huge fish, is what it says in our translation that we're reading today. Um, so I'm going to read from the NIV if you want to follow along. And um, as part of what we're going to be looking at today in this section of the story, we're going to be thinking about this idea that suffering leads to deeper darkness or growth and gratitude. Suffering leads to deeper darkness or it leads to growth and gratitude. So we're going to look at that idea through this story. But let's, let's just take a moment to pray. Let's, as I pray, you pray too. You ask God now to speak to your heart because I can't, uh, just my words alone can't do anything, but the power of God can. The power of the Holy Spirit can be at work in you this morning through what you hear from his word. So, Father God, we thank you for your word, and we ask this morning that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, that you would challenge us, that you would uh, help us to become more aware of your mercy, of your goodness, of your sovereignty over our lives. Holy Spirit, we invite you, I invite you to come into my heart this morning afresh. Amen. I remember a time when I was in my early 20s and I went snowboarding. I used to do a bit of snowboarding. I haven't done so much lately. And I love snowboarding and I used to love it. And one of the things I really enjoy uh, and about it is going off-piste. So if you've never done skiing or snowboarding, it's basically you have a, a main run which is marked out where you're supposed to go. And then they have off-piste, which is off the main designated runs, which are usually a bit more powdery. The snow is a bit more fluffy, and it's a bit more of an adventure because you don't know where you're going to go and all that kind of stuff. And I love doing that. And um, when I went with this group, I'd go every year. People, I can never understand, they're always like, oh, we're going back now. And I was like, it's only like four o'clock. We've only been out for seven hours. Come on. Um, they would all go back. And I remember one time, they all went back, and I always would stay out to the very last lift and, then, and so I did this one time. I was on my own. I enjoyed that, quite like my own company. And um, I just remember going down. I went off-piste. But then I kind of got lost. And, uh, and I was going down, down. And then it got to a point where it just leveled out like this. And that's really bad news. Because when it levels out, you, you've got to 
take your snowboard off and walk. And so I, I found myself in these woods, uh, couldn't go downhill, so I took my snowboard off and then I put my feet down and then I sunk into some really deep snow. And I was like, oh no, um, what am I going to do? Because I couldn't see any more downhill slopes and I didn't really know where I was. And at first I was like, oh no. And then, you, I don't know if you've ever been in a moment like that where you then you start to be a bit panicky, that creeps in and you go, hang on a minute, last lift, it's getting dark, it's cold. Am I going to freeze to death? Is this going to be my moment of survival for life? And it was worrying, and I was, di- I was distressed in that moment. And I, I, I think I remember just saying, God, help me, please. And um, anyway, uh, to cut the story short, I did eventually somehow manage to work my way out and find a bit more downhill. So I popped my snowboard on, got down. Thankfully, I think I was some random place, so I had to get a bus back. But I was so thankful that I didn't have to spend the night there. And um, when I think back to that story now, I just think, you know, I'm still grateful. Because in all honesty, that could have been really bad. Um, uh, So I'm grateful to God for that. But I wonder, you know, I've just been explaining this moment of distress that I experienced. I wonder if you yourselves now can recall, bring to mind a moment of distress in your own life. It might not have been that, but maybe it was um, you've been stranded on the roadside when your car's broken down, or you've, you, you're stranded at an airport, you have something's wrong with your visa or your passport, a distressing moment. Or maybe it's a moment of distress where you've faced an undesirable diagnosis from a doctor for yourself or maybe for a, for a loved one. Or maybe it's that moment of distress where you wake up to another day in that job and you're like, I just don't want to go. I can't face another day of this job. Or maybe it's uh, the distress of dealing with the aftermath of an insurance claim. You've had a car accident and there's all this stuff you've got to work through and it's just, ah, you just, it's, it's hard work. Maybe you've felt distress at trying to decide what to do about that difficult employee if you're an employer, or maybe that employer, your boss, you know, you're struggling, there's something up with them, or maybe it's a housemate that's really difficult and it's a, it's a tough situation. Maybe you've had a moment of distress where you just haven't got that money to pay off that huge debt you owe and you know that you, the money's being asked for imminently. Or maybe you've had a moment of distress of regretting that thing that you said to that person in person. Maybe you did something online and you thought, ah, oh, why did I say that? And I could go on. But I wonder if you, you maybe have your own moment, your own example of where you're like, that was really tough, that moment in my life. And then in that moment of distress, what did you do? Or in moments of distress, what do you do? For example, how would you complete this sentence? In my distress, I... How would you finish that off? Well, in our passage today, we're going to hear about what Jonah did in his distress. So just before we get into reading most of chapter 2, let me just quickly recap what we've heard so far in the story of Jonah. So the story begins with Jonah being with God calling Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it because of his wickedness. However, Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh, and instead he runs away, boarding a ship headed in the opposite direction. And as the ship is sailing, a huge storm arises, and Jonah is eventually thrown overboard 
when they kind of realize it's something to do with him and the fact that he's being disobedient to the God of the universe who's brought this great storm. So that's kind of where we've got up to. So now we're going to read chapter 2, but we'll start the last verse of chapter 1. Um, and it says this, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. So he's been thrown overboard, he's sinking, he's sinking, he's sinking. The Lord provided a huge fish. Or it says in another translation, the Lord appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was here in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now, it doesn't actually say here what fish it was. A lot of the time we assume it was probably like a whale, although I guess technically it's a, a mammal or whatever. But you know, um, we don't actually know. And do you know what? Research might suggest that what we've just read here is not even possible. Jonah in the belly of the fish for three days, three nights. If you go, as anyone can do now, go online, Google it, go, can a man be swallowed by a fish and remain in the belly for three days and three nights? Most likely, you're going to read that it says, no, it's not really. If you actually think about it, it's not possible. They'll get crushed. They're going through the stomach, the, the acids, will, you know, whatever, right? But I'm sure that research, if we did it, could also suggest that the act of throwing someone in the sea... To calm a storm is not possible either. Or that someone thrown into a den of lions who are hungry and have not been fed, could they survive? Research would probably say no, they would be mauled and, uh, and killed. Research might also suggest that a person to be, who is crucified on a cross could not come back to life three days later. And so as we read this story now about Jonah we should remind ourselves that what we're reading here is we're reading of the God of creation, the God who made all things, who sustains all things, who is over all things, and through him, all things are possible. So we could read this and go, oh, actually, that's not real, you know. But actually, can God do what he wants? Yeah? Are all things possible through him? At his word, can he speak, and from nothing, everything can come into existence? So therefore, when I read this story, I tell myself those things and I say, look, it may not seem possible for some to survive, but God can make it so. This is God's appointing of this whale to do this thing. However, it's not to say that as I read it, I think, well, therefore, the, ple the experience may have been quite pleasant for Jonah. I look at the uh, books that my kids have of the, the children's story Bible and the ones I read as a kid, and often you see these illustrations of this story. And Jonah is sat like on the tongue, and like there's a bit of water, and it's like echoey, and he's there, and, and then there's a bit of light coming through the blowhole of the whale, I mean, it's not that bad, it's, it's, you know, it's like a bit of his own time. Um, and of course, we don't know exactly what it was like, but I imagine it would have been a bit more distressing than that. I imagine, actually, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking he's probably, there probably would have been a sense of, like, suffocation. He's getting swallowed, and he's, like, like tight inside this esophagus, making its way into the belly of the whale. And... Um, I imagine he, he probably was in there going, am I dying? Am I dead? How is it possible that I'm even surviving this? And so we, like, I think it's helpful to kind of picture that. Like, it's, it must have been really distressing for him in that moment. 
And, you know, remember just a few moments ago, I asked you to imagine a moment of distress you might have experienced in your own life and how you might respond. Well, this is Jonah's moment of distress. Well, firstly, that, that being in the storm, in the sea, sinking deeper and deeper, and then in the belly of the whale. And so, what did he do? How did he respond? Well, let's look at the text. It says in verse 1, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord. So, what did Jonah do in his distress? Verse 1, it says, He prayed to the Lord. He was in this distress. He prayed. That's what he did. And then it said, he said, Jonah said, I called to the Lord. So he's in there. He's like, God, would that have been your answer to uh, when you were thinking of your own example? Is, will that be your answer next time you find your moment in a moment of distress? Do you immediately call to the Lord in prayer? Is that your first response? Or do you maybe think, well, first I'm going to try and find a solution to this, and then only after you've gone down several avenues of trying to work out how you can deal with it, you then turn to the Lord, which can so often be our experience. I know I can do that. Why don't we first cry to the Lord and pray? So he says, in my distress, I turned to the Lord. He answered me. So has God turned his face away from Jonah in this moment? Has God turned his face away? No, he hasn't. In Jonah's distress, he called to the Lord and God answered him, which means God was listening. God was always aware of what was going on. And God, uh, Jonah continues his prayer. He says, from, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. God is always listening to Jonah, even in that cry, I don't know, again, I don't know what it sounded like, it's probably like, <laughs> probably something like that, wasn't it, you know, but he was crying, and I could, you know, you probably couldn't understand what I was saying there, but God could, and God can hear your cry, God knows, he's always listening to you and me, and in our distress, he's never got his face turned away, it's not like, oh God, you, I'm just all alone in this, he's always there, he's always listening when you cry out to him. And then verse 3, Jonah says, You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers, they swept over me. So even before the distress of being swallowed by the whale, Jonah faced the distress of these raging waves and the sense of being drawn down deeper and deeper into the depths of despair. And then he says in verse 4, I said... I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Here we feel the sense of Jonah's feelings of shame and recognition of his own rebellion. He knows, I was running from God's call. And he says, I've been banished from your sight, but yet he says he's going to trust in God. He doesn't allow his sense of shame to stop him from turning back to God. It doesn't cause him to give up hope. But he instead, he turns his face again toward the holy temple, toward God. I wonder if you've ever had a moment in your life where you've 
rebelled against God. I mean, we all have, I guess, until we've given our lives to him. But even in our salvation as Christians, if we're Christians here today, we have moments where we can still rebel from God's call on our lives or what he's asked us to do. And I think in these moments, there can be two choices of response that we have. The first could be to think, oh, God, I've messed up. I've messed up. I was supposed to do this. I've done this. I've completely failed. And um, I don't think, God, you even want me to approach you now because of this shameful thing I've done. And I was actually thinking about this earlier and just thinking about that point. Even... um, Uh, If you have a a disagreement or something with someone or a moment of tension, sometimes you can think, I need to just not see them for a while. Might be a spouse, might be a friend or whatever. I need to have some time on my own before I can. And then hopefully things will calm down a bit and then we can sort it out. And sometimes that's true. But actually, a lot of the time it's good just to deal with things in the moment and come straight back and go, let's deal with this now before it gets worse, before things fester as we spend time apart. And the same with God. Let's not mess up and go, oh God, I'll have to wait. I'll have to just wait till I'm a bit better again and then I can approach you. No, God says come straight back like Jonah. He's turning his face straight back to God. So we can either think we've messed up uh, and I'm not going to be able to come and approach God or in moments where we feel like we've failed God, The second response could be to think, I've messed up, but I know that God is merciful and he is gracious and I'm going to humbly bring myself before him. I'm going to look to him again and believe that he can and will receive me and help me to grow as his disciple. I wonder which of those would be your natural default response. Maybe you guys, when you're at college, at school, you've got a friend, you've messed up somehow. How are you going to respond? Are you going to look to yourself and try and work it out? Are you going to look to God and say, God, help me through this? Let's continue Jonah's prayer. Verse 5. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Anyone had seaweed wrapped around their head? Going to Cornwall sometimes, holidays, and going the seaweed. Ah! Seaweed all over my... Ugh! Imagine having that wrapped around your head. He's down there. Not only is he sinking, he's got seaweed wrapped around his head. And it says, To the roots of the mountains I sank down to the earth. The earth beneath barred me in forever. So you get a sense of how deep Jonah is going here. Physically, but also in his kind of own spiritual turmoil and despair. He recognizes this. And uh, he acknowledges here that how great God's power is in his creation. He's... He's kind of recognizing, God, you are massive and I am small. You control all this stuff. I'm in this turmoil, in this storm. And I am so small and I'm sinking. But then he goes on to say this. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Jonah's prayer turns to gratitude brought my life up from the pit he thanks God for this and where he seems so close to death he is thankful to God and trusts in his own salvation through this huge fish which was appointed as it said or um, provided by God 
So it wasn't coincidental. God had knew what was happening. There's going to be this storm. Jonah was going to go in, and then God appointed this fish at the right moment to come and swallow him up. But that was for his salvation that the, uh, the whale swallowed him up. And we titled this series that we're going through, I Am Jonah. Everyone say, I Am Jonah. Okay, I know that might not be your name, but the reason we called it that is because it's, it's something we identify with. For those of us that have put our faith in Jesus, we can identify with Jonah in this whole story and in this bit, this prayer that we're reading of his today. See, there came a moment for us all when we were awoken to the fact that our lives were already in these depths of darkness. We realized that the seaweed of sin was wrapped around us. And the engulfing waters of this rebellious and fallen world and culture that we live in was all consuming all around. But then God broke into our lives. He gave us hope and he brought us out of the pit. He saved us through the big fish of Jesus Christ who himself went into the depths of darkness for us all until on the third day he rose again. I mean, how marvelous and wonderful that is. He is our salvation. He is our fish, as it were. And Jesus himself even makes reference to this comparison. In Matthew twelve forty. Jesus says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And Jonah's prayer continues. He says, verse 7, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. If we're not clinging to God's love for us, then what is it that we're clinging on to? Are we, are we clinging on to worthless idols? Perhaps we've got one hand, we, we have been clinging on to God and now we've got one hand on God and we're clinging on to an idol as well. Where do we get our ultimate comfort and assurance from when we are feeling low, when we're feeling in those depths of despair? Where do we go for comfort and help? Do we go to God first and foremost or do we have some other thing, other way that we feel we bring comfort to ourselves? Whatever that may be, if that is where you go to first over God, then that is in danger of becoming your idol. And as we look at the world around us, we see that this world that we're in, people who aren't clinging to the love of God are clinging to worthless idols as Jonah says here and I don't want to turn away from God's love for me and I'm praying I'm always praying God give me an ever-increasing passion and desire for you and give me an ever-increasing passion and desire for those around me who are turning away from your love and clinging on to worthless idols your love is readily available to us all and to the world out there to those who don't know Jesus and all we need to do is reach out to him and believe in what Jesus has done for us. Verse 9. But I, 
with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. It's as if Jonah is doing here what we so often read of the psalmists when they say, wake up my soul and sing. Jonah is in this horrible situation, but at the end of this prayer, he kind of building and building to this point in verse 9 where he says, but I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you. It's almost like he's like, no, I'm going to praise you, Lord. And um, I was encouraged that kind of came out of our prayer time this morning. Phil was sharing something along the same lines. Like, you know, why am I coming here this morning? I'm coming to worship God. And I've got to tell, sometimes we have to tell ourselves, speak like the psalmists do, wake up my soul and sing. You know, sometimes we don't feel it. But we can, again, we can have two choices. I don't feel it. I feel a bit down, so I'm just going to feel for myself, focus on myself, or we can go, I'm feeling down, but I'm coming to a gathering of God's people where we're going to declare the truth of God. Wake up my soul and sing. I'm going to sing myself into faith in God, renewed faith and trust in him. Will you do that this morning? We're going to sing again in a moment. It's an opportunity for us all to do that. Sing my soul, praise the Lord. And then verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, as he has done from the beginning, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Again, that probably wasn't a pretty sight. But Jonah was renewed. He has another opportunity to walk in the call that God has put on his life. And we're going to see next week how Jonah then responds to this call of God on his life following this storm and descent into the depths of the ocean. But for us today, what can we learn from this of Jonah's story? Well, we've been hearing some things already as we've been going through it, but as come back to that point I shared at the start, suffering leads to deeper darkness or growth and gratitude. Which is it going to be for you? Which is it going to be for me? Which is it going to be for us? Are we going to trust in God and trust that even through the most difficult circumstances we might find ourselves in, there is possibility for us to grow and to be grateful to God and see him do something incredible in our lives? And are we going to trust him in it? Jonah could have given up all hope as he as he suffered through the stormy seas and being swallowed by that fish, he could have just given in. He could have just said, "Ah, oh, yeah, my suffering's too great. I deserve this, God. I've turned away from you. Just take my life now, Lord. End it now. And that's not to say that Jonah doesn't fall back into that mindset, as we might read later in the story. But for now, Jonah is lifting his eyes to the Lord So how are you going to answer that question, that sentence? In my distress, I dot, dot, dot. Is it going to be trust and hope in the Lord? Or is it going to be despair? Jonah ran away from God's call. He ended up in a situation that was carry on sinking. But yeah, he kept turning to God. And Jesus is the light of the world. We've been singing about him. He is our light. He is the one that we can turn to. I wonder, maybe you're suffering right now in this moment. There's a situation in your life. 
I just encourage you from this word today to turn again to the Lord. Lift your gaze to him. Ask a brother or sister to stand with you in it and help to lift your gaze again to him, to his holiness, to his goodness, to his righteousness. Now, in the past um, couple of weeks we've been going through this series, we've been inviting different people to come up and share some stories with us of uh, how God is using them. Uh, We're hearing the story of Jonah, and God is calling Jonah to be a witness um, and to speak God's truth and to to demonstrate his goodness. And we want to think for ourselves as a church, as people of God, how can we do that? And we've been talking and using this idea of how we serve, invest, and invite. Everyone say, serve, invest, invite. And if you don't remember that, say sieve. Everyone say sieve. Yes. Serve, invest, invite. Um, But it's a simple way, a strategy of how we can build relational bridges um, in order to bring our friends and those around us in our communities to Jesus. Serving real needs as we invest in people uh, to deepen our relationships and invite them into God's community, the church community and get the, help them to know Jesus. So um, today, I want to invite up Eve Fernandez to come and um, share. Hello, Eve. Hello. All right. <laughs> so, got a few questions, and we'd love to hear more about you, for those that don't know. Um, so, Eve, tell us, outside of this church community, what kind of communities are you involved with? I'm a musician, so um, working with other musicians, artists, um, bands, um, in the studio, that's kind of my, my community, mm, um, okay. that's who I work with. Right, so load of musos, um, yeah, doing your music stuff. And um, do you have any examples of how you serve in that context, in those contexts, in order to demonstrate God's love? What a great question. (laughs) I think for for me, being very good, like being good at what you do um, helps, and seeing the need in in the jobs I do. Um, For example, um, you know, turning up to a a rehearsal and things are not set up, things are not done, Mm. kind of owning that, setting that up, helping. Um, there's loads of different characters, like most jobs, but in the music industry, it's, um, you know, some people have um, gone from nothing to becoming millionaires or being very famous. Um, so there's some characters that, you know, need to be respected, but also um, getting alongside them and, I guess, loving them. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Also, that behind the scenes of helping, just making stuff s- set up and getting there early and being a good example. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think listening as well. Yeah. Um, definitely, as as a musician, we tend not to listen. Mm. Funny enough, 
in conversations, um, in general life, outside of playing. Mm. So I, I, f I feel like that's quite big for me, just listening, talking, being around. Most people know I'm a Christian, so they think I'm really good. <laughs> so trying not to judge, actually, is yeah. what I find really challenging. Mm. Um, I yeah. don't know if that's probably yeah. your no, next no, question. That's good, though. It, I mean, it's come up in, uh, I think, the last couple of weeks, that same idea of listening seems to keep coming up, being a bit different. Um, so in terms of investing, what challenges have you, uh, do you have to investing in the relationships God has given you? Um, and the next question is, do you have any examples of how you invest in the relationships in your life? So I guess, yeah, a mixture of what challenges do you have in that yeah, um, being, there's points that I've been away for four to seven weeks, uh, which is very difficult on tour. So you're living with people, you're on a tour bus, you're in hotels, um, can be tricky, but you're eating, you're sleeping, you're sharing life with these, with who you're with, with mm. the firm that you're with. And I just remember this, um, I, we were in America, it had been like a number of weeks, I was missing Sarah and the kids, and it was tricky, you know, and um, most of you probably have good banter at work. I think in the music biz, it's like extreme, right? So people teasing you, winding you up, and this one day, I was really tired, and my colleague was just winding me up, winding me up, winding me up, winding me up, and you know what, I lost it. I was like, and I, what came out my mouth, I couldn't believe. But I said, if you ever speak to me like that, you know, I'm going to hurt you, and you're not going to be able to do any, any more of this tour. I hate your guts. Stay away from me. Don't even come. This is my area. Don't come close to me. Can you get off the stage? And, like, everyone was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> is that the Christian guy? Um, and, you know, it took a number of hours uh, for me to actually realize and to allow God to actually speak to me and go, hey, um, you know I'm compassionate and loving and kind. Yeah, um, you didn't do any of that. <laughs> and um, actually, it was really helpful to go back and to say, hey, man, like, I'm, I'm actually really sorry. Like, I was really tired. Um, I responded really badly. We have loads of fun and jokes normally. It just got to me today. Would you forgive me? And you know what? Like since then, and he forgave me. And he was like, oh, no worries. No problem. Like, I forgot about it. And um, I remember that was quite big in our relationship. And it's almost like he, he then felt like he could come to me and, you know, tell me things that he was struggling with, ask me for prayer. I think before then he just thought I was this goody guy that maybe he can approach. Mm. And then just, you know, just me actually um, messing up mm. um, and apologizing actually deepened our relationship. Mm. And actually he's probably the guy that on tour asked me most questions of like, God, like how do you, you know, what do you think of this? Um, God forgive me, what sin can't he forgive? All these questions that so many people have um, came out of mm. me messing up, mm. apologizing, um, 
So yeah, so it's tricky, and there's loads of challenges. There's sometimes you're sitting, playing music, having a cup of tea, and someone gives you a tea, and um, it's full of weed. And it's like, um, how do I say that's not going to be good for me without judging? Um, you know, I've learned right. that, you know, hey, this is great, but actually I'm not into this. Yeah. <laughs> so th those are like normal everyday yeah. challenges, which yeah. can be tricky at the time because yeah. you're like, how dare? Yeah. But at the same time, okay, mm. that's what you've been doing yeah. every day. Okay, let me somehow lovingly say, this is not, I'm not. I'm not going to drink this. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great, I mean, it's so helpful to hear that story, though, that you just shared, because, um, and thanks for your honesty, because I think, I'm sure many of us can relate to it, you know, like, we, we have those moments where we just want to, and we have done, but actually, that, in some ways, sounds very similar to this story of Jonah we're talking about, because you're like, ah, I messed up, um, but then... Through that, and the point we're talking about today is through that kind of despair and that moan and youth feeling, oh, what have I done? Came, sounds like came this amazing sense of growth in your relationship with this guy and I guess with God in terms of what he taught you. And so that's, that's really encouraging to hear that and um, a helpful example. Um, and then I guess just finally, like, um, yeah, what. So with the, like your friend you mentioned and the people you work with, obviously you're, I guess you're all over the place, all over the world. So how do you find, because we're talking about inviting like here, we want to invite people into this church community, but I guess that's not always maybe easy if people aren't nearby, but have you, how do you kind of deal with that? Have you been able to invite people here or what do you do? Um, I have invited quite a few people. I mean, a lot of the guys that I work with are London based and actually right. I had quite a few friends who lived in Sheen and Richmond and Barnes and so I have invited them to Alpha they've never turned up but <laughs> um, and then on the wider like being being away from home I've always tried to find a church on a Sunday and um, and everyone knows mm. you know okay what are you doing tomorrow let's go for coffee oh, I'm gonna go to church I'm gonna find this church I don't know what it's like but you know you're welcome to and that's happened a few times. I think when you're away, people are more open to going, oh yeah, I'll try this American big church, whatever it is. Um, so you can, which has been good. Um, but it is tricky actually, being mm. away and knowing how um, you can do that in your own communities. Mm. It can be tricky. That's really helpful, I think, for anyone who perhaps has a similar kind of job or you, know, you might be traveling. I like that in the sense that actually you could invite them to come with you to a, a church that you've never been to before, and that way you're kind of both in some ways exploring this new thing together. And um, and if they say anything dodgy or anything, you go, well, it's not actually the church I'm part of. Exactly, <laughs> and I think um, there are times in work when I've been away where I'm not in church and I've felt like God's prompted me to say a few mm. things. Um, and I'm really not good at listening to God. I'm like, yeah, you're saying this. I don't want to listen. I don't want to hear. And there's mm. this one um, time, again, in, when I was away, I, I was on stage, and everyone was setting up. Um, and there was a, a, a woman who was setting up the lights on the stage. And God was like, I want you to pray for her. I was like, never. <laughs> never going to pray for her. I mean, everyone's around. You know, she doesn't know me. 
And the guys were actually mocking me the night before, saying, oh, you Jesus lover, um, kind of thing. So I felt a bit weird anyway. Um, but again, like God was like, no, no, go up, go up and pray for her. And I was like, oh. Anyway, I got the courage and went up and I said, oh, this is going to sound really strange, but um, God's asking me uh, to pray for you. And she comes down, she was kind of on a bit of a ladder and she came down and she, she just started crying. And then all like my colleagues were watching. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, what, are you, what have you done? You're so yeah. weird. And she starts crying and she's like, I said to God, like, if you're, you know, I've left my church and if you're real, you're going to speak to me today. And if you oh. don't, like, I don't want to know you. Mm. Like, you don't exist in my life. And, and I was like, oh, wow. And, I, you know, I said a simple prayer. And, yeah, God, like, if, yeah, sometimes God prompts us. And, you know, if you're like me, you don't want to listen. But you never know. Mm. <laughs> and especially when, yeah. <laughs> especially when you've got loads of people around. Yeah. Um, you, you can definitely feel the pressure. Mm. And definitely when people, people are really cool in the music industry, aren't they? They, they look good, they think about what they say, what they do, and there's this pressure. And, and, and actually, everyone believes in everything apart from Jesus, I've found. Everyone accepts everything. Like, mm. you, you know, if you want to do drugs, great. If you want to live like that, great. If you, you want to have open relationships, great. But if I say Jesus, it's like, Mm. So those kind of little acts of faith, I guess, mm. when people see, oh, hang on, he mm. prayed for her and she started crying. Mm. That's so yeah. weird. Yeah. There must be something true yeah. Yeah. Um, in that. And again, like messing up a lot. I mm. mess up a lot, if you can ask Sarah. <laughs> um, and, and, sit, and people's response and, and having the, I guess, the courage to say, look, I'm really sorry. I've mm. messed up. And mm. actually really helps. Yeah. Um, so helpful, though, to hear just from you, Eva. And, like, um, your example with that woman is, I think, as well for us all. If God's ever prompting you to, to speak to someone and you're like, I don't know, I think we all can feel like, I don't want to look silly. But actually, God might be appointing us like he pointed the fish to be that, that thing that is going to bring that person back to him or whatever it is. So, like, let's step out in faith, yeah. So um, really encouraging to hear your stepping out of faith, but also the, the reality of what you face and how you deal with it. So um, yeah, thanks, Eve. Can we give him some kind of applause? <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I'm going to invite the uh, band to come. We're going to worship together in just a moment. And um, yeah, just a, a reminder again, that, that point, uh, suffering, the things we go through can lead us to hopelessness, deeper darkness, or growth and gratitude. And we've heard some great examples of that now. And um, yeah, let's think about that. Let's think about how we're going to respond um, in these times. But right now, let's respond. Let's say, come on, awake my soul and sing. Let's praise Jesus, shall we? Let's, we've got this wonderful time now just to sing to him as Jen was saying if you feel like you've got anything encouraging as well you want to bring bring that um, and let's glorify him together so why don't we just stand and I'll just pray together before we sing Father God I thank you for your word I thank you for um, the reminder of your sovereignty over all things and um, 
Lord God, that you are ultimately in control of all things. And I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, that we can turn to you now and you love us and you accept us. We want to praise you now, Lord Jesus. We want to sing to you because you are worthy of all our praise. Amen.